to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. I want to welcome those joining us online. Thank you so much for being a part of the Church at Bushland, wherever you find yourself. And uh, today, if you've joined us um, we are going to take communion. It's kind of what we do, Palm Sunday. We, we take communion on Palm Sunday. So if you're joining us at home, I pray you, you find a little bread and a little juice, join us and uh, take communion with the church today. So everybody, it's good to see you, a good crowd today. So like I said, we take communion uh, four times a year. We kind of tag it around something that makes it kind of stick. Palm Sunday is a beautiful time for communion. We just believe that Grape juice and Easter dresses just don't go together, amen. So uh, you say, boy, our staff's really wise, okay? But some things are just obvious, amen. So uh, we, we, uh, we parents, uh, the parents really affirmed that decision on Palm Sunday instead of Easter, and so we continue to oblige on that. So, uh, but it is Palm Sunday. What a, what a beautiful way to kick off uh, what is known as Holy Week. If you know Scripture and you know uh, what takes place this week. This week in Scripture is powerful. Mm, my goodness. We're gonna look a little bit at some Scripture, and one of them is gonna be kind of setting up Palm Sunday, but if you know anything about Palm Sunday, this is when Jesus um, came into Jerusalem, or he rode into Jerusalem, and he was met with a crowd, and we're gonna look at that in just a little bit, but that is a very significant, powerful time in Scripture and for the church. Um, I, I, I want you this week, it's really difficult for us, I believe, is to understand this week before Resurrection Sunday. You see, we, on this side, we see it after the resurrection. It's a whole lot different on the other side. But this is the grind side. They're grinding right here. What you see play out this week, they didn't have the ending. The ending's incredible, <laughs> by the way. Resurrection Sunday is powerful, and this house next week, woo, we're gonna blow the roof off the place, all right? Because that's what happened. They, they blew a rock away from the tomb, amen? We're gonna blow the roof off the church. But Palm Sunday is the, the, the I, I guess the first step of Palm Sunday is, is, is that Holy Week. It's all that got, it takes place. And so I want you to see it in Scripture. It's found in all four Gospels, uh, but I'm gonna read out of Matthew. I want you to follow with me. Uh, this is him, this is Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and this is where they picked this up. This is in verse four, Matthew 21, if you wanna go there, Matthew 21, verse four. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. Verse five, say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle 
and riding on a donkey, a coat, a foal of a donkey. Verse six, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought a donkey, a coat, and placed cloaks on them. And Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground while others cut branches, we know them as palm branches, from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those who followed and shouted, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Beautiful picture. Beautiful picture of a triumphant entry into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, <laughs> the king. I, I, was, I was sharing this through a, through a series, and then I had a lunch with a guy, or really a breakfast with a guy, and he said, man, that's beautiful, Palm Sunday, Easter, all that stuff, but hey, I got a question. What's up with the donkey thing? I just don't get the donkey thing. <laughs> Let's say just like a Texas guy, you know what I mean? What's up with the donkey thing, right? What's up with the donkey thing? And I was like, what's up with the donkey thing, you know? And I said, dude, the donkey thing, as you refer to it, is powerful. Don't underestimate the donkey thing, if you want to call it that, okay? Listen to me. I said, do you have, do you have the Bible on your app? He said, I do. I said, go to the Bible. All right, go to Zechariah. He looked at me like, that's in the Bible? I was like, yeah, second book. Okay, it's almost the end of the Old Testament. It's the second to last book of the Old Testament. Go to Zechariah 9.9. And I said, read it to me. And he read it and he looked at me and he said, oh, I get it. <laughs> I get the donkey thing. And I said, dude, here's what you gotta understand about the donkey thing as you refer to it. The donkey thing to me, whoo, that's powerful because you know what it is? My God's a finisher. My God don't start nothing he doesn't finish. Come on, church. Some of you are sitting in here and you know God has begun a good work in you. Can I tell you, he's gonna finish it. You might say, Jeff, I love what God's doing in our marriage. We're in the best place we've ever been in our marriage. You ought to have seen us a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Can I say something to you? You, <laughs> you came to the right place with your marriage, and now the finisher hmm, is gonna finish it to his glory. Amen. Our God didn't waste a word of the Old Testament because he fulfilled it all in the New Testament with Jesus. Come on, church. Zechariah 9, 9, not me, but something you have in your quiet time, but I'm gonna tell you right now, that donkey thing <laughs> preceding Palm Sunday that Jesus rode up on, the disciples went and got, that's a big deal. Let it affirm in you that my God, our God, finishes what he starts. And oh no, I'm telling you, there'll be some dark nights for you. There'll be some times that look dark, maybe personally, maybe in your marriage, maybe somewhere else, but take hope in this, that your God is the same God that said the king of glory, Hosanna, will ride in to Jerusalem on a donkey. And lo and behold, my friend, he rode in on a donkey. Dude, he could have flown in on his own wings if he wants to. 
He could have made him the sweetest sports car he ever wanted, first one ever, and drove in in that, all right? That would have awed him, but he said, no, he comes humble and humbly on a donkey because he fulfilled the promise that he made and the prophet spoke in Zechariah 9.9 that he would enter Jerusalem this way. So can I tell you something? Whatever you promise that you've heard from God, whatever word he spoke over you, you might be giving up on it. Don't give up on that. Don't give up on that because your God is a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. And whatever he spoke on you and spoke over you, still good today, still good today. So we come to the communion today for Palm Sunday. And I wanna speak and I wanna say what I say a lot of times before we take communion. You may have come today, um, maybe it's the first time that you've ever walked into the house, all right? And you're like, oh my gosh, they're taking communion. And you may be from a, a religious background or grew up in a church that did what is known as closed communion. Closed communion is simply this. That means that if you take communion or the church takes communion, you have to be a member of the church to take communion. Can I say to you, that's not God. That's religion, okay? Not all religion is God-breathed, <laughs> all right? God said his communion is open to the church, the church that he's coming back to get. And what gets you to the seat of the table is not church membership, it's not behavior, it's not having a bunch of good stuff, okay? But what gets you to the table to take communion is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here today as a first-time guest, never walked in the house at the Church of Bushland, I'm gonna tell you right now, you can take communion if you know Jesus. If there's been a time in your life that you've been born again, you've been scripturally baptized, hey, guess what? Welcome to the table. Welcome to the table. This is not our table as a church. This is not my table as a pastor. This is the king's table. And what gets you to the king's table? <laughs> is your name in the book for the king. If you've been born again, welcome to the table. Welcome. Welcome by him and welcome by our church. Listen to me. This is God's ideal. We just get to partake of it, man. All right, we're rich because we come to the table. All right? And so this table is for each of us in this room, if you know the Lord. So welcome today to the table of the Lord. I wanna show you a couple of scriptures that I kind of wanna set up communion with and then we're gonna take it. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And when we take communion as a church, there's some instructions that God has given the church to take communion. It's not something that we just make up. It's not something that we just dream up. It's not something that we just do. We do it because God called us to do it. He says the church has two ordinances, two things that the church must do. He says you can do a lot of things as a church, all right, but two things you will do. You will take communion and you will baptize. That's what he said. Those two things he's in on. So you know what we do? We do this a lot, okay? And we love it a lot, all right? Because we love doing what calls to do it. So there's some instructions about the Lord's Supper. They're found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But I wanna call your attention to a couple of verses. This is 1 Corinthians 11. I want you to look at 28 through 31. This is what we individually must do uh, when we take communion. Verse 28 says this, a man or a woman, if you wanna read it, all right? ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone 
who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. Verse 31, but if we judge ourselves, we will not come under judgment. What he is saying is, church, before you take communion, all right, always, always, always examine yourself. Not in light of the guy next to you, not in light of your spouse, not in light of your neighbor, but in light of the cross, Jesus. He is our yardstick. The only yardstick we got is Jesus, all right? Anytime you think you've arrived, measure Jesus, then measure you and get back to work, all right? Just the bottom line. I mean, that's what Jesus said. Examine your heart. Let me look inside of you and see if there's anything in me, God, that doesn't line up with you. And if God points out something, you confess that, you repent of that, and you make that right. Listen, it's important. If you're here today and you're stuck, and you say, Jeff, I know where I'm stuck. It's, it's in unforgiveness. I I still, I mean, I have a problem, man. I have a hang-up with one person of this thing, of this thing. Can I say something to you? The forgiven, they forgive. If you've been forgiven, you understand this bread and this juice. You understand this? What he, he took sin. He, did, he who knew no sin, had no sin, took sin and became the righteous sacrifice so that we, all right, might have the righteousness of Christ. That's what he did for us. He took our sins. We gotta let them go. If that's where you are today, before you take the bread, before you take the juice, let them go. Let them go. Don't take it like that. Let them examine your heart. Go also to Isaiah 53, real quick. Isaiah 53. I'm gonna kind of read it backwards, but you'll get it in just a little bit. Isaiah 53, I wanna look at verses six and seven first, and then go back to four and five. Look at verses six and seven. Isaiah 53, we all, like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all, of all, all right? Verse seven, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before the shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Look at verses four and five. Surely he took on us, he took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. Verse five, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, man, what a beautiful word, that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. Listen to me, church. <laughs> when we take communion, you gotta have to understand, many people know the communion meal as a meal that heals. There is power in communion. There is power reflecting and remembering what he did for us. He didn't just die for our salvation. He died to make us whole. He, he died to make us whole. We don't have to suffer, be in bondage, be, be sick. We, God is a healing God. By his stripes, we are healed. 
If you're here today and you say, Jeff, mentally, man, I am, I'm not in a good place mentally. Can I say something to you? You came to a good place because you can take the bread and take the juice. And as you hold those, you just ask God, the healer, to, to heal you mentally. And I'm telling you right now, by the power of the blood of Christ Jesus, he will heal your mentalness, man. He will make you whole again emotionally, if you're out of balance and your emotions are running ragged and they're driving the ship and Jesus isn't driving the ship, put your emotions back where it needs to be. Give it to God. He'll heal you. He'll make you whole. Your marriage not in a good place. I t- we, Melissa and I tell marriages all the time, man, take communion together. There's nothing better as a married couple. Man, if you're not where you need to be, ask Jesus to show up in power and take communion together. And you, by the healer, you're the healer, Jesus, and by your stripes, we believe that you will heal our marriages. Do that. There's power in that. Physically, mentally, emotionally, many ways. All right? If you're here today and you don't know the Lord is your Savior, can I say something to you? You can come this morning. We get all done. You come down here to any of our pastors and say, Jeff, I'm, I, I need to be born again. We'll baptize you. We got shorts, T-shirts, and a towel. We'll baptize you before everybody gets out of here. We'll just stay a little longer and watch you get baptized. If you need your, your baptism on the right side of salvation, if you've been saved but you haven't been baptized, we can do that at the end. He is the healer. By his stripes, we are healed. There is power in that. Contrary to popular opinion today in some Bible theologians who say, Jesus isn't in the healing business anymore. (laughs) I'm sorry, but can I introduce you to my wife, all right? I sleep with a miracle every day or every night. Preachers sleep in a day. I sleep with a miracle every night. All I gotta do is touch and feel her and know that he is still in the miracle business. We were working out this week in the garage and I looked over at her and I was watching her work out and I was like, whoo, that's, that's amazing, man. Where you were and where God put her. God put her back together better than ever, all right? And we can't explain why he did it for us and doesn't do it for everybody. And I'm gonna tell you right now, it doesn't matter. He still does it. And God can still heal, all right? He heals, and this side of, of, of the cross, there is still healing in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, by his stripes, you are healed. Physically, emotionally, mentally, financially. Man, if you're broke today, you came to the right place. By the power of the blood of Calvary, still wet today, still drips over you and makes you whole, makes you clean. And so as we come to the table, I want you to know something. My prayer is, that on this Passover, I mean, as this Palm Sunday, I want you to take communion as if you were in the upper room with the disciples and Jesus served you personally. I want him that close because Psalm 139 says he is that personal. He's a personal God that knows our hairs, knows our thoughts before we think and words before we speak them. That's our God. And so today, as we come to the table, I want you and Jesus to have this time and you let him examine you and you let him do in you what he needs to do. And can I say something to you? There is power in communion. And if you need something emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever, spiritually, you ask and you will receive. Why? (laughs) Because of the donkey thing, amen? (laughs) Our God is a finisher. And what he started, he'll finish, my friend. That marriage, mm, he'll see it through.
that call in your life, that word he's spoken, that place in your life, he'll see you through it. Because my God, my God finishes what he starts and fulfills every promise that he ever makes. That's why Zechariah 9.9 is so dang important, all right? The donkey thing is powerful. Our God's a finisher. I'm gonna invite my deacons to come and join me at the table. I'm gonna invite our worship team to come back out. You church, prepare yourself for communion. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.